Welcome to Liquor and Liqueur Connoisseur, where I drink, discuss, and discover the world of distilled spirits. I'm your host, Matt Burchard. This is episode 98, and I'm drinking Liquore Strega. With each episode of Liquor in the Core Connoisseur, you should expect that I'll be well-researched and educational, also entertaining and consistent in my reviews. I chose to feature Strega on this episode because it's a very distinctive bottle when you see it at the liquor store. It's also an old-style liqueur. It's actually been around for almost 150 years. Actually, no, more than that, if I do the math right. It was introduced in 1860. So it's been around for quite some time, and it's got a good story, so let's dive into it. The bottle I have for the tasting is 750 milliliters. For a liqueur, this is 40% alcohol by volume, making it 80 proof, and it retails at $36. The bottle is clear glass, and it's rather tall. The liquid inside is a bright yellow, and my bottle came with a printed paper collar that's four-sided and sits on the shoulder around the long neck. The custom mold for the glass features a sun ray pattern front and center, into which a circular label with an old-style line art rendition of a factory is shown with Italian text around it. The paper for this label is yellow, and unfortunately, mine is off-center in the space. Actually, all of the bottles on the shelf at my liquor store had offset labels, so I just got the best one. Below the sun rays is the main front label that's very vintage and has changed little over the decades. It's also yellow paper with red text for Licore Strega in the logo type that's very hand-lettered looking. Gold is the second most prominent color and it's used for a large circle behind the L in Licore, inside which an old woman holding a broom over her shoulder is shown in profile. The gold then highlights the 12 gold medals from various vintage competitions the brand won in the 1800s. To the bottom right of the label, there's a black ink illustration of three partially nude women dancing with two fawn, or half-man, half-goats, that are Roman or Greek mythical creatures described as lustful nature gods. The distillery name and founder is also listed on the front label, plus Benviento, Italy, where Strega is made. Finally, an Italian royal crest is shown on the front label and also on the neck label, This is an Italian royal warrant issued to the brand by the King of Italy. Back of the bottle features a relief of the woman with broom from the front label surrounded by the founder's name. And the back paper label just contains a barcode and legal info. Okay, let's crack it open. I have an unopened bottle, so let's take the paper collar off. It's a metal screw cap. It's just yellow toned to match the spirit inside the metal. So let's crack it. It's always satisfying. Oh, it's got a splash arrester inside. So let's go for a pour. Ooh, it's thick and syrupy. As with all spirits on this podcast, I'm tasting it neat. That's right out of the bottle. Room temperature, not diluted. For this purpose, I'm using a clean Glencairn glass. It's a whiskey nosing glass, tulip-shaped, lets the aromas gather at the top. You can see the spirit, nose the spirit, and of course, taste the spirit. In the glass, it does look quite viscous and, and thick. It's syrupy as I poured it. It is brilliant yellow, the same color as shown in the bottle. And on the nose, 
Oh, it's minty and a lot more herbal than I expected. There's um, something almost like burned or like a smudged note to it. Definitely get some anise seed out of it. A minty, bright flavor. There's a lot of depth. The thing about Strega is it's the recipe is very complex. There's a lot of botanicals in it. So let's try it on the palate. Hmm. So first it's minty and sweet. Then you get a progression of other flavors come to the forefront of my mind. I got some juniper. You get a pretty strong predominant anise flavor, but it's tempered by other herbs with it. There's other flavors, so it's not all licorice anise flavor. There's a lot of complexity. It's got a real kind of drying, almost a bit of astringency on the finish. Let's, let's try it again. Yeah, it's a progression of different flavors that come through. It's minty, bit of juniper. I think I taste fennel. I know it's got fennel in there, spoiler alert. It's very sweet. It does coat the mouth. It's a little syrupy, I'll be honest, but I like sweet, so that's okay. It's got some heat to it. It is 80 proof, 40% ABV. So it's same proof as most vodka and gin that we get in the US. One more taste. Herbal, minty, there's a menthol, menthol note to it. It's quite good, and I'm quite happy that the anise is overpowering. And if you remember to my episode on Ouzo, I'm not a huge licorice fan, but this is just used as a, a player in the symphony, so to speak, of flavors. It's not the primary note. It's a, a minty, menthol, junipery, herbal, sweet drink. This is good. Now on to the history. Liquor Strega has been made in Italy since 1860. It's a famous Italian brand with a distinctive color and recognizable bottle. My bottle's neck collar refers to it as Italy's bewitching liqueur since 1860. And that's a hint to what the old woman with the broom and the dancing partially clothed women on the front label are for. Strega is Italian for witch. And this liqueur is named for the folklore of witches in the town of Benviento, Italy. Benviento has long been considered the city of witches, and folklore says it was a popular gathering place for witches of the world. The stories of witches in Benviento go back to at least the 13th century, and a person was put on trial for witchcraft in 1428. The tale of rituals, or sabbats, taking place under a walnut tree inspired the label on Strega. These were said to consist of banquets, dances, and orgies with spirits and demons in the form of goats or cats, or the fawn shown on the label. 
Legend has it that the witches of Benvienta would fly at night, and would even recount a spell that included the walnut tree of Benviento. I'll provide a link in show notes for details. And I find this all fascinating. The idea of a witch riding her broom flying around is a common sight during Halloween, but historically, most classical art would depict witches as young women naked while riding brooms. Not the grizzled old green cackling woman we know from The Wizard of Oz. No, naked young women were the common depiction of witches prior to about the 1900s. And here's where it gets a bit more, shall we say, not safe for work. Legend has it that the witches of Benviento would use ungent, or flying ointments, a type of hallucinogenic ointment as a means of flying. It's a lot of sex and drug use that led to this legend. Have you ever asked why a witch rides a broom? The polite answer would be the broom is a symbol of feminine domesticality, which also is rather phallic. But the more likely answer is that hallucinogenic drugs often make you violently sick if you drink them. The witch's brew, that old double-double toil and trouble, was a flying ointment, a potent hallucinogen that could have been made from fairly accessible and common plants like deadly nightshade, wolfsbane, henbane, hemlock, and a type of rye mold. So, how does one consume these potent brews without drinking them? The answer is to absorb them through mucous membranes, and for women, the best place would be the vagina. Illustrations and woodcuts from the 1600s depict witches anointing themselves with their flying ointments, leaving little to the imagination. But, why then is a broom involved? Well, one hypothesis is that Herbs used in the preparation of the flying ointment would be kept in a broom-like bundle known as a whisk, which may have been boiled whole in oil or animal fat used as the base for the potion. The broom coated in the oil or ointment would then be placed between the legs, and an investigation of a suspected witch in 1324 includes this passage. In rifling the closet of the laddie, they found a pipe of ointment, wherewith she greased a shaft, upon which she ambled and galloped through thick and thin. So, yeah, self-pleasure and drug use. That's pretty much the answer. And the Strega label shows two brooms with two jars of flying ointment at the feet of the dancing witches under the walnut tree. So to be clear, this liqueur does not contain anything hallucinogenic. If it did, it couldn't be sold in the U.S. at the least. But the legend of witches makes for the basis of a great brand story, especially with something made from over 70 botanicals. Strega was founded in 1860 by Giuseppe Alberti, with a factory placed next to Benviento's train station. He's said to have worked with his father to develop the recipe, but given the reputation of the city of witches, there is some legend to the creation of Strega itself. One story claims Alberti went on a search for herbs when he happened upon a witch who had been trapped under a fallen tree branch. Alberti saved the witch and was given the recipe for Strega as a reward. It was more likely a more pedestrian creation of trial and error and finding flavors that worked. Another theory could be that Strega's recipe was modeled after yellow chartreuse. The yellow version of the iconic monastic liqueur was first created in 1840, and I covered this spirit in episode 27, if you want to go back and listen. 
So yellow chartreuse came out just 20 years before Strega was created. The two liqueurs are often compared and can sometimes be used interchangeably in cocktails. Of course, the recipe for yellow chartreuse would have been a secret, so Strega would have just been modeled after it if that were the case. Regardless of how Strega was created, they adopted the witch branding for the medicinal and mystic qualities it offered. Early brand history that I could find is sparse, other than it experienced growth up until 1894 when Giuseppe died. However, his four sons took over the business and they unleashed advertising in the early 1900s. Strega has a long history, more than a century, of colorful and evocative advertising for the liqueur. Many of these advertising posters are on display at the distillery. Strega was also featured in Italian cinema and TV, being a popular choice for characters. The brand's YouTube channel features many black and white ads from the 50s and 60s, in Italian, of course, and many of these play upon the witch theme, naturally. Another interesting feature of Strega is that they have a museum at the distillery factory, essentially visitor's center, and part of their collection is a wall of imitations. They have confiscated some 400 bottles of knockoff Strega from around the world and showcased them. Another part of the brand that has kept Strega at the forefront of Italian culture for more than a half century is the Premio Strega. This is the Strega Prize. The most important literary award in Italy that was created in 1947 by Guido Alberti. This, combined with extensive advertising and features in Italian media, have cemented Strega as a prominent Italian brand. Strega is still family-run in the original location next to the train station in Benviento, Italy. The fifth generation of the Alberti family is at the helm. In 1998, it seems the company expanded into confections that features Strega. There's various Strega-branded candies and pastries featuring the liqueur that are made and sold throughout Italy and likely the rest of Europe. I'm not sure how much of the confectionery business is for wider export. The distillery also creates a number of other liqueurs, but Strega is, of course, the most famous. And Strega is available in about 50 countries worldwide. Okay, so now on to how it's made. Strega is made in a traditional manner in the original location where the brand was founded. They start with about 70 botanicals, and I say about because, of course, the full list is not disclosed. Most of the herbs and spices used in the recipe are, therefore, secret ingredients that have been selected for their aromatic qualities and flavors. Naturally, these botanicals are sourced from around the world. A handful are disclosed, and a trained palate can often pick out a few obvious ones that might not be officially disclosed. What is known to be in the mix, however, are saffron, which gives the liqueur the yellow color and is added as an infusion via a tincture near the end of production. Also used is Ceylon cinnamon, i.e. true cinnamon rather than cassia, the lower grade of cinnamon typically seen in culinary uses throughout the U.S., Florentine iris, or orris root, and it has a violet scent and flavor to it, with most of the commercial production in and around Florence, Italy. Plus, it's also grown in France and some other areas. There's Italian Alpenine Juniper, which obviously lends a juniper flavor to the liqueur, giving it a touch of a gin quality. There's mint, a specific type of mint that's said to grow wild along the riverbanks of the region of Italy where Strega is made. 
There's star anise is also used and present in the flavor. There's also fennel, and it's, according to many sources in there, plus cloves. The last botanical we know to be in the spirit that's disclosed by the brand is cardamom. But beyond this list, it's pretty much a guessing game as far as what the next five dozen or more could be used in the liqueur. The first step in production is to measure out all of the botanicals, which are then milled or crushed, then macerated in a neutral grain spirit to create an infusion. The mixture is then distilled slowly in small ambulic stills. They're barely larger than a man and don't seem to be very high capacity. Based upon the videos I've seen of production, which are all in Italian, of course, they have about a dozen of these small vertical stills, and this leads me to speculate that they may process some of the botanicals in batches rather than mixing all 70 in one go. And knowing what I know about flavor extraction, that's probably about right, as different flavors may need to macerate longer than others to give up their essence. After this distillation step, the tincture of saffron is added along with a sugar syrup, and this is all then matured for a period of months in wooden vats. The brand calls them barrels, but these are very large vats in all the imagery I've seen. Plus, the brand's website refers to them as ash wood, but most sources tend to refer to them as oak. I suspect the wood matters little, and it's simply the resting that allows the flavors to marry together. After the aging is deemed complete, the liquid may likely be filtered, then diluted to bottling proof and, well, bottled. So, that's how it's made. So now, on to cocktails and consumption. Strega is used as a digestif, or an after-dinner drink. The label recommends it be consumed chilled on its own, or it can be used in a number of cocktails. The Strega Mule, a variation on the Moscow Mule, and a Strega Tonic are both featured currently on the bottle collar that came with my bottle. So in summary, what do I think of Strega? It's got good flavor. It's one of those old spirits that can be a little difficult to work with. It's something that often will collect some dust on the back bar. It could sit next to Galliano, a similarly colored liqueur in a taller bottle, but similar. But, you know, it's got good flavor, and if you drink it just chilled on its own, they also say it's good in coffee. I might try that in some coffee. It's got a good story, though. I mean, the liquid product is good. It's nice and sweet, and it's potent. 40% ABV, so it's no slouch liqueur. And I really like the branding. The whole witch theme, that's cool. It led me down this path of looking into witchcraft, and there's quite a story there I did not know. Anyway, Strega, it's a good brand, fits right in with what I do here on Liquor in the Core Connoisseur, so I figured I'd give it a go, and I'm glad I did. So that's going to do it for this episode of Liquor in the Core Connoisseur. I'm your host, Matt Bertrand. Please subscribe and share. Tell your friends. Show notes are on liquorinthecoreconnoisseur.com. You can also find the show on your favorite podcast platform. The show is also on social media. I tend to be most active on Instagram. I love hearing from my listeners, so if there's a spirit you would like me to feature in an upcoming episode, please do reach out. And as always, thank you for listening. <laughs>